The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hopefully this is working. Hey, we're live, pal. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the A-Side Live Chat. I am, of course, Jose Youngs. You may notice that Casey is not here. He's on vacation. So if anything goes wrong this week, you can blame me because I'm a one-man show. I'm producing. I'm doing the questions. I'm doing the music. I'm queuing up guests. But with that, I am very happy to welcome Ant Walker. He's back on the show. Uh, always wanted to have, I've, I've been wanting to have him on for a long time. I felt this week in particular was most important because this other guest we have, we've not had a published author ever on this show until this week. And I wanted Ant on this show specifically because every time he is on, we delve into our love of hip-hop music specifically. Uh, I think last last time you and I were debating Joe Budden, and then we kind of dived into Jay Electronica's new album, had literally just came out that week. Neither of us were a big fan of it. Uh, Andres Hale, welcome to the show. Big fan, one of the one of the journalists I respect the most on the scene. So, Andres, how's life in your part of the world? Busy, man. It's busy. I mean, uh, so many fights, you know, I, you know. I work over at the zone, so it's like we got to fight every week, and then boxing has a fight every week, and then Dana can't stop making fights every damn week. So it's uh, it's just nonstop between that music, writing this book on Kendrick Lamar, yeah, exhausting. We'll talk about the book later on because I've actually read it. Ten out of ten will will recommend. But Ant, how's life in your part of the world? How's life as a dad? Uh, dad life is is fantastic, man. I got my, my little guy right here. Um, he is a ticking time bomb. So if he hears screaming and throwing and kitty songs, he is the reason why. Um, but but I'm loving it, man. Just just taking care of the little guy, taking care of the family, um, trying to eat right. Back to training, you know. Got my priorities in line. I'm all what we call chakras aligned and all that. <laughs> shit, man, I'm 
I'm out here all positive. And I see following you on Instagram, you find time to train again, right? Yeah, man, I needed to, man. Quarantine life was was uh, adding a little little extra size to me, and I was already getting a little plump, so I had to burn some of that off. So no no better way to burn off the fat than you know punching and kicking things. Andres, how's the pandemic been treating you? I know we've had a lot of guests before. They they felt like the, some of them are going crazy, some of them like it, some of them find time to fi- uh, find new hobbies. So how's the pandemic been for you before we dive into the fan question? Oh, man, it, it hasn't been too bad. I'm a hermit, right? So it's like I traveled a lot before it, but now my daughter's four. So uh, she appreciates daddy being home every day, and I'll have to go all over the place for work. So hasn't been too bad. Strangely enough, I'm busier now than I was before the damn pandemic, which shouldn't make any damn sense. But alas, here we are. And these past few months have been absolute insanity. Uh, 2020 has been a 18 month long year. Um, I want to say I can't wait for it to end, but I, dog, I don't know when it's going to end. Yeah, you said it. you've been busy more during the pandemic than before. I haven't stopped traveling. I'm still making that four hour drive to Las Vegas for pretty much all of these cards. I was in Jacksonville. For the, those May, those first pandemic cards, I was in Fight Island for five weeks, mind you. So I went to the Colby Covington Woodley fight card and then immediately got on a flight to Abu Dhabi for five weeks. So I've not stopped. Uh, didn't go to this last one, but I'm gearing up to go to a few more uh, before the year's out. And then allegedly I might be going to Fight Island again in January. So it never stops. But as, of course, the fans know, and you know the drill. Andres, I'll fill you in. With, you can, we're going to talk about whatever you guys want, fans. We can ask questions on Twitter. You can ask questions on the sites. I got the YouTube comments. We can pop up right here. I got a few questions loaded. If you guys want to dive into any sort of tangent, feel free. One time, Andres, we had Michael Case on the show. I think we talked 45 minutes about Bigfoot. No one asked us about Bigfoot. We talked about Bigfoot for 45 minutes. That conversation then proceeded to continue on on Fight Island as we talked with Ant. What I mentioned before, with Ant, we kind of dive into our disagreements. He's a big Joe Budden fan. I myself am not that kind. We kind of get a little heated as oh, we go boy. back and forth. Uh, we both disagree. Uh, before we start, did you like the J Electronica's first, first debut album? I should say, not the mixtape that came out. His actual. You mean uh, Jay Z's album? That's what I was gonna say. Oh. I was gonna say Jay Z's album that features J Electronica. Yeah, it, that was a collaboration album. But I, I mean, I liked it uh, for what it was. It's Grammy nominated. Good mm-hmm. for him. Uh, it's the first time we had a bunch of rapping ass rappers nominated for Grammys this year. That's that's incredible. But uh, I dug it. Uh, it's not my favorite album of the year, but I thought it was cool. Do you like his mixtape that he dropped? I guess it's on uh, was it on title. Is that what it is now? Yeah, yeah. Which should have been his first album. Yes, one hundred percent. That is that came out the day I landed in Fight Island, and that is all I listened to for five weeks. So I am a yeah. fan. And did you like it, or have you have you had time to listen to it being a dad? I haven't had time. Actually, I don't even have titles. So if it's a title exclusive, I'm I'm out of the the mix for a little while. Um, so I'll have to you know find other means to to get a hold of this mixtape. I'm sure it won't be difficult. Go it's find it on SoundCloud, my man. <laughs> All right. So any questions you guys want to talk? I got the comments up. We got some Twitter questions up. We're gonna talk about anything and anything you guys want to talk about. Uh, let's see what we got. First question from Ease the Hardcore Casual. Don't do Eve Edwards like that. I'm sorry. From Casual Eves on Twitter, which loser leaves town or loser retires fight would you want to see most in the UFC? If they had Anderson versus Shogun or Diego Sanchez versus Tyron Woodley. And I'll start with you. Neither of these fights are going to happen, let's be honest. But if you had to pick which person, which, quote, loser leaves town fight, which one do you want to see most? 
I definitely don't want to see either Anderson Silva or, or again, Shogun or Diego Sanchez versus Woodley. Both of those matchups are terrible and they do nobody any sort of justice. I do want to see a loser's Le- loser least towns matchup with Mike Perry versus himself. Um, <laughs> get Mike Perry out of the UFC. That's that's really the only thing I care about. Get that clown up out of there. Wow. Shots fired already. Andres, which of these fictional fights that will never happen do you want to see most and why? I mean, Ant just stole my answer. So, you know, Mike Perry versus Mike Perry. Mike Perry versus uh, the law. Mike Perry versus the N-word. Give me all of them in a loser leaves town match and get them out of the paint, please. And thank you. We've had this question come up a few times about Mike Perry. Why he's still in the UFC. What's Dana White thinking all the all this and that, is there any scenario, knowing Dana White, like we've all spoken to Dana White, we've covered Dana White for damn near, I've been covering for damn near 10 years, is there any reason in your mind that you think Mike Perry will ever be handed his walking papers in the future? Andres, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, if a charge actually sticks, I mean, accusations are one thing, and Dana's released people for less, so this is an odd situation. I mean, maybe he needs to go on a three-fight losing streak. Um, and then hit somebody. I mean, you can hit an old man in a bar. There's pretty much anything he can do, but people seem to find him entertaining. Strangely enough, I've never seen him entertaining translate into any type of sales or anything. So, uh, yeah, give me a couple fight losing streak. Let's get one of these charges to stick to get him out of here. Because apparently saying the N-word as a white dude in America is not a problem. And you saw the media day. I'm sure, actually, Andres, you probably saw the media day, too. Mike Perry, well, there's one big part that stuck out to me when Mike Perry was doing his media day. He, someone asked him specifically about the, uh, the 911 call, about that his mother, uh, his mother called 911 when there was some sort of incident on her front yard. And he said, let me correct you, that wasn't, I, would, I didn't hit her then when she called but it was that, it was that part where he's like, he, was, he was alluding to, that's not what that call is about at that time. Maybe it happens another time, but it seems like Mike Perry was digging himself into a hole that he couldn't dig out. And what are your thoughts on the whole situation? I mean, he's an idiot. I don't really I don't think you really can put a whole lot of science behind what he does. And I think the final straw for him being in the UFC is that he has to get knocked out in a bar fight. I mean, look at what happened with BJ Penn. BJ Penn was running rampant with all sorts of allegations against him, was producing nothing but L's in the cage for a long time. And what what finally broke the the camel's back, the one thing that finally made Dana say, okay, this guy does not belong in the UFC anymore, was to see a guy who hung out at a bar, just some fat dude randomly sitting at a bar stool, knocked him out. So if a random guy at a bar knocks you out, you're probably not UFC caliber. It took that to to enter the picture. So I think Mike Perry's going to have to have something like that happen. He's going to have to get out here in a street fight against somebody who really wants to smoke, and somebody dusted him up real good. He got it on, on camera. It's on TMZ or whatever. And then all of a sudden, man, we can't have Mike Perry around the UFC. I, I think at this point, that's, that's it. Because clearly the, um, the, the lack of climbing up the promotional ladder um, doesn't have any effect. Clearly lawless behavior and being a, a disgusting human being has no effect. So he's just got to get knocked out by some clown. And there it is. Then he'll be out of the UFC and... and in a jail cell, probably. So you're saying getting in a fight in a bar will get you cut, but saying the N-word in public at a bar won't get you get cut. Get, getting, you, getting in a bar fight won't get you cut, but getting knocked out in a oh. bar fight will get you cut. That, that's the big difference here. <sighs> 
2020. I don't want to give Mike Perry any more shine that we've already given him. I'm sure you guys have talked enough about him. I'm sure you guys have thought enough about him, and I guarantee you people are still going to want to fight him. I know people are already calling him out after his last performance against Tim Means, but I don't want to give him any more shine. So on to the next question from John Malkin, longtime commenter on Twitter. Dana always says he is contractually obligated to offer a fighter three fights a year. With a fighter like Francis Ngannou, who says his prime is being squandered, seems like it is, does the UFC just pay a small amount to not offer any fights? Uh, Andres, I'll start with you. We'll kind of piggyback off this question and talk about the heavyweight title picture, which has seemed to be stagnant for the past three years, and by no fault of anyone's own. I don't think anyone complained when uh, they did the trilogy with DC and Steve Bay. I think, if anything, the only complaint was there was a lot of time between the fights. They fought once. They fought once a year for three years. And yes, Daniel Cormier did have that fight with Derek Lewis between the first and second one, but it seems like the heavyweight picture has been tied up with two fighters. Now that they're past that and Daniel Cormier has finally retired, uh, Steve Miocic still doesn't have a fight. Francis Ngannou says he's going to... I was at his fight in May when he knocked out Jairzinho Rosenstreich. If he doesn't fight again until May, that's a whole nother year we're losing without Francis Ngannou inside uh, the UFC octagon. What is the situation right now with the heavyweight title picture, and is there anyone else for Francis Ngannou to fight not named Steve Miocic? John Jones. Damn it. I mean, look, man, I, I don't understand this with, with Francis Ngannou. You know, it's hard because guys want to fight, but then you got to make them wait for a title fight. But then you got to wait for the heavyweight title to be defended because it was tied up between Stipe and, and Cormier. What the hell are we doing? I mean, look, Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis can go ahead and throw down. Couldn't that happen? I mean, th- th- that fight sucked, and I'm sure they both want to <laughs> fix what happened with that first fight, so let's let's do that. You can't squander guys like Ngano. He's he's you can't make him a commodity if he's not busy. And he's not busy. And the man produces highlight real knockouts. Put him in there with Greg Hardy, goddammit. But like he has to fight. So I don't know if you know if they're obligated to give guys three fights a year. I know the COVID pandemic has changed a lot of things, but Ngano should be fighting somebody, anybody. And I hope they're getting paid if they're not fighting, because we all know UFC fighters are never getting paid enough money. So they got to chill out with this. This whole heavyweight picture is just a mess, and guys need to fight. And we've heard not a peep of what's going on. But Ngannou versus John Jones, pay these goddamn mm-hmm. guys their money because uh, if Connor's fighting Poirier, I'm sure Connor's cleaning up. John Jones can get paid too to fight Francis Ngannou. We can get this figured out now. I'm glad you brought that up because we've actually had a lot of questions about the future of John Jones pop up. And I, I've been saying for since John Jones announced his move to heavyweight, the, if Stipe's out for a while, John Jones fights Francis. There's no argument if John Jones beats Francis Ngannou that he's the number one contender at heavyweight. That's, that is the quickest path. It's a dangerous path. You might get knocked out, but that is the quickest, quickest path. If Francis wants to keep fighting, John Jones is a worthy name. He's arguably the greatest fighter who has ever lived. Uh, he's he'd welcome him right into the heavyweight picture. It's the biggest fight you can have outside of the title picture. I am in 100 agreement with that. And where do you stand on this title picture? I, I agree with that. I mean, Francis versus John Jones is is the fight to make. Uh, you you can't have someone as talented and as exciting as Francis Ngannou just sitting on the shelf and expect to make a big star out of him. Um, but also too, let's let's dive into some of the wording in in the question there about you know offering fights. From my understanding, the language in the contracts mean like if they offer you a fight and you turn it down, you just extend the the length of the term. So they they don't have to give you money if you turn down fights. And 
knowing the dirty promotional, dirty negotiation tactics that that we know the UFC engages in a lot of times, I'm pretty certain they've offered him a some lowball thing to to fight an unranked heavyweight, uh, just to make sure that they don't have to pay him anything to keep him on roster w- without having him booked for an actual fight. So I, I'd I'd like to see the specific language. Um, to to determine whether or not these are real offers, you know what what actual offers were made, and, and I think that's something that we can put a question mark around. But Francis Ngannou needs to do something. He needs to do something. This guy is exciting. He he is uh, perhaps the key to uh, an entire region that has not been tapped by the UFC. I mean, what are we doing here? Uh, and and also too another thing with Francis Ngannou is like. The risk in fighting him means that you probably can get away with things that the MMA gods would normally frown upon. <laughs> um, you can throw him in there against somebody and not necessarily worry about the outcome uh, and worry about him losing his position. He's probably going to decapitate them unless there's someone like John Jones or someone like Stipe. So with those two names not being in part of the, the picture for him, give him somebody, like somebody that he'll accept pay the man properly i'm glad you brought up the francis could be the key to a very large reason because let's not forget before israel adesanya hit the scene and before kamara uzman became champion people were kind of looking at francis Ngannou as the guy that they were going to break into the african market with he's not from nigeria he's from cameroon but he also has ties to france let's not forget france legalized mma Bellator held the first event, and I know Dana White was very upset about not break, not being the one to break ground into that. So Francis could be the key to two regions the UFC has not tapped into in France and in Africa. Uh, but yes, as Joseph Bozar commenter said, it's been four months since Stipe fought. France and Ghana is the only fight I think he should fight. If I'm Stipe, I know Stipe wanted was even calling out Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, and all this stuff. Andres wasn't didn't uh, Francis even attend a press conference with Dillian White at some point? Is, am, I, am I mistaking that? I believe so. I mean, look, man, cut it out. You're the heavyweight <laughs> champion of the world. You don't need to fight a, a boxer. Defend the damn title. You just won it back. There, there's no reason that you should be looking for legacy fights or something to further your mainstream appeal. I get it. The money's fantastic over there. But you are the champ. You can't tie up the division with nonsense. Anthony Joshua. Man, get the hell out of here. Book a damn fight. Anthony Joshua should be fighting a lot a lot different people than Stevie Miocic right now. Anthony Joshua should be fighting Tyson Fury, in my opinion. But that is a whole other conversation yeah. that we could be having. Uh, question from the, the comments on YouTube from Tristan Gordet, longtime commenter. Always happy to have him back. The Korean Zombie is aiming to make his return in March. And March or April wants to fight as a beat. Your thoughts on the matchup? And do you think the fight will happen since Dana recently downplayed talk of Rodriguez's return? So, yes, for those of you who aren't aware, Dana White alluded to some mystery reason that Yair Rodriguez is uh, not fighting. He said it was not not his business. It's out of his control, and they'll announce it when, when they'll announce it. So we have no idea what that situation is. I think Zabit and Yair has been booked more times than maybe Habib and Tony Ferguson, and it keeps falling out. Uh, but Zabit, Korean Zombie, checks all my boxes. And where do you stand on this possible fight? The only thing I have wrong with this fight, and it's a very minor gripe, is that I'd like to see winners fight winners, the old Joe Silva matchmaking model. Um, but action-wise, this sounds fantastic. From a ranking standpoint, it makes sense. I, I mean, just go ahead and book it because – at this point, I, I think it's safe to just give up on Yair Rodriguez, and I don't want to speculate on what 
could be the thing. I, I, I believe they're a set of initials that a lot of people are throwing out mm-hmm. there. They could be the, the cause for this. And if that's the case, we probably won't see him for quite some time. So let's just move on with our lives. Go ahead and book what's sure to be a, a great action fight and what definitely uh, can have some factor into the title picture. Korean Zombie and, and Zabit just sounds lovely. And I'm probably going to play that on UFC 4 later <laughs> on today because we're talking about it now. Yeah, Andres, let's not forget, Brian Ortega is probably next in line for Alex Volkanovsky. Max Holloway, who many consider one of, if not the greatest featherweight champion of all time. It's pro- it's definitely between him and Jose Aldo. I'm still on the Jose Aldo train. He's fighting Calvin Cater in January, which pro- which means the Korean Zombie and Zabit are pretty much the only two. Zabit hasn't fought since last year when he beat Calvin Cater in Moscow, which wasn't the main—they were supposed to fight in Boston— Gets moved to Moscow, was the co-main event, and then got elevated to the main event when Greg Hardy fought Alexander Volkov in the co-main event. So, what are your thoughts on a possible Zabit uh, Korean zombie fight in the future? Uh, what did Rick James say? Give it to me, baby. I want <laughs> like that, that. That is an all-action fight. I mean, they, again, you got to give Zabit something to do. Korean zombie, he's always going to come to fight. Look, he got pieced up by Brian Ortega, but Brian Ortega's been redesigned and remodeled, so that man's been incredible. So that, that as a beat Korean zombie fight is a match I would love to see make it happen. It could headline something. Give me the action now. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Yeah, for those of you who watched the show, I have been calling for... I had I had been calling for Brian Ortega for Korean Zombie for about five years before that fight finally happened. And my God, did Brian Ortega, the bald Brian Ortega, completely blow me out of the water. But yeah, it's a beat... Uh, the beat Korean Zombie makes sense. Dan Ige can fight. Does I don't know if he has a fight. Edson Barbosa, I want to fight Giga Chikazi very badly, uh, but that's probably not going to happen. Jeremy Stevens is out there. Ryan Hall is out there. I know Casey's not here, so I have to bring up Ryan Hall at some point. Uh, Andres, if you're not aware, Casey is very much on the oh, boat of Ryan Hall is the most dangerous fighter in the UFC, according to Casey. <laughs> I mean, can the man get a fight? That's another dude who's like, good Lord. How many times has he fought in the past five years? Uh, I don't know. He's times? had a few fights fall out due to the pandemic. I know that. Right. Speaking of is which. Is it four times? Three I or think four it's times? four times. That's insane. Speaking of There's which, no Jay Pizzle 2010 in the YouTube comments says, Jay Electronic is the Jay-Z of hip-hop. Right. The right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the man shows up, he's brilliant, and then he disappears. That's exactly who Ryan Hall is. Jay Electronica. 
Yeah, that parallel is perfect. Do you remember in like 2013, 2014, Jay-Z tweeted like a photo of Jay Electronica's album on iTunes, like the track list? And then I was like, oh, it's going to come out this year. And then it came out seven years later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, story time. You guys want to hear a story? I, I, I met Jay Electronica when I worked at BET. I worked at BET for a year. Um, and we met over AIM, AOL Instant Messenger. My That's God. how long ago it was. And uh, we talked a lot at one point. And um, if you know the producer, Mr. Porter is a friend of mine. And he had called me when Jay Elect was in the studio and they were making beats. And Jay got on the phone. And he was like, Andreas, what's good? And I was like, hey, man, what's going on? Where's this album at? He said, hold on. And he went and I heard him spit his bars and then he just left. And I was still on hold. And Porter, Denon, Mr. Porter comes back. He's like, what happened to Jay? I was like, I don't know. I thought he was with you. He, that's how Jay is. He just vanishes. Yeah. He would do things and just disappear. So the man is a legitimate weirdo. Um, I caught him at South by Southwest freestyling on the corner one time. And I ran up on him. I was like, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm about to leave. And I never <laughs> saw him again. I haven't seen that man since 2013. Dead ass. So, yeah, the Ryan Hall parallel. Yeah, kind of similar guys. Just here, brilliant, and then gone. Jay Electronic is one of the few people in the world that I would feel legitimately starstruck over meeting. Uh, to me, I think Exhibit Exhibit C is my favorite of the two that dropped, but I think everyone likes Exhibit A better. I, both of them are God-level rhyming. But if I met Jay Electronica, in, if I was in your shoes and Jay Electronica spit bars at me, I probably would have cried. That's, yeah. that's the level of... Uh, god godly godhood i put him on a pedestal so when i met common i my i felt i didn't know how my i, I was just saying i don't remember what i said my wor words were just pouring out of my mouth i was like uh uh and i was like shaking his head because i have i made an i used to love her shirt 20 mm. years ago because they weren't selling that merch so i made it and i i pulled it out and it barely fit me and i wore it he was like he was so high and he's he came out and he was like oh that's a sick shirt man i was like uh what and I was like doing things in my head. I didn't really know how to function. You know that explains a lot, man. Because you were acting real nervous when you met me, so I, yeah. I get it now. That's I, true, I man. Yeah, um, but I, I'm I'm definitely an Exhibit A guy. Exhibit yeah, they're, I mean they're both unbelievable tracks. Like, yeah. yeah, and that that was actually my walkout song for my creative fighter in one of the fight night games. One of my amateur uh, songs. I walked out to Exhibit C. Oh. I walked out to that, and then the second fight I had that I got knocked out, I walked out to The Mystery of Chess Boxing by Wu-Tang Clan. So that's the only sure. song that that they had that I wanted. So <laughs> trial by, it was default song. From Rich P. Top Tire, what will LeBron James need to do in order to beat Colby Covington in an MMA fight? How long would he need to train for him to have a good chance? Andres, your eyes just bugged out when you read this question. So you want to address... Richard, Rich P, top tier from the YouTube comments. I hate this question because <laughs> we like, I need to see Kobe get smashed, but he's a good fighter. And that's the part that I hate about this. Mm -hmm. And LeBron's a, a beast, but you can't just train MMA for a few months and then be ready for a fight. So I, I don't know how long Le will LeBron need to commit himself to MMA. Um, just in my mind, it would be three weeks and then he just beats the crap out of Kobe. But that's, I don't know, man. Next question, man. I can't do this. <laughs> and you in the same boat. Next question. I'm, I'm just going to say the first thing LeBron would have to do to beat Kobe Covington is know who Kobe Covington is right now. Kobe is out there thirst trapping crazy on Twitter. 
And LeBron has no idea who he is, I'm sure. I, I'm, I'm sure if, if Kobe walked into LeBron's kitchen right now, LeBron would just think he was one of his butlers. <laughs> so th- this is, this is a, a silly thing right here. Nate Robinson and Jake Paul was a, a, a good illustration of why just being an elite-level athlete is not enough in the fight world. You have to actually know how to fight. LeBron probably he probably had some scraps in, in the streets of Akron. I'm sure he did, but not like the second best welterweight in the world right now. It's It pains me to say this, but LeBron would get absolutely waxed by Kobe, and there's nothing he could do about it. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, LeBron is probably one the one of the top – no, he is. He's one of the best athletes in the world, bar none, in any, in any sport whatsoever. I think of, if you're going to build – a creative player in any sort of NBA, NBA 2K21, the body you want is LeBron James. I think he, I think Bill Simmons for a long time said David Robinson had the perfect body to mold into a basketball player. I think LeBron James has superseded that as just the perfectly built basketball player. With that being said, Colby Colby Covington just pieces LeBron James up. He's the second best welterweight in the world. Uh, It is what it is. Uh, Yeah, we're not going to give that question any more time. Uh, we are going to talk about though, because we're getting a million questions about it, and I don't want to put them all up on the screen because I don't want to pick one over the other. What did you guys think of Jake Paul and Nate Robinson last weekend? <laughs> Man, uh, Nate Robinson should sue his trainers. They didn't have him doing anything resembling defense. He must not have sparred at all because he looked like he just stuck his chin out and ran toward uh, Jake. Uh, that was total trash. But the memes are fun. <sighs> Man, look, Jake Paul, listen, I spent some time with Jake uh, ahead of his fight with Anson Gibb because we had it on the zone. Mm-hmm. Jake Paul takes this stuff seriously. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they booked that fight, the first thing I said is Nate's going night-night. And people were like, no, he's a premier athlete. I was like, no, man, Jake may be a clown on social media, but when it comes to this boxing thing, he's better than his brother, which isn't saying too much. But he has a jab. And if you know anything about fighting, if you've ever been in a boxing ring, if somebody has a jab and you don't, you're screwed. And then the other thing, Nate's never really been in a fight like that, man. It's, it's one thing to be in a fight like with your homies on the block, and then, you know, you can just kind of windmill your way through the fight. But then when you're trying to get around somebody's jab who understands space and distance, got made a fool of. And I know there's people like, yo, we have to praise Nate because he had the balls to step in the ring. Cool. But I still am going to get these jokes off because man's went to sleep. <laughs> You mean you didn't give 2017 Venezuelan Basketball League champion Nate Robinson any chance against Jake Paul? No. <laughs> there you on, go. <laughs> Come on. No way. No way. But I, I enjoyed it. Like, I got what – like, people were upset about it. And they were like, yo, these guys have never fought. Listen, I've been covering boxing for over mm-hmm. a decade. I've seen cab drivers, literally cab drivers, fight, you know, world title guys and just get destroyed. We've seen – Terrible matchups. This wasn't one of those. And it was entertaining. And Snoop Dogg saying, ooh, Lord, as man's went down was impressive. Um, I was thoroughly entertained. I, I had no problems with this whatsoever. So Nate went to sleep. So what? Move on. Have a nice day. What did you think of Snoop's commentary? I loved it. Listen, man. I saw Kavanaugh was like. Mm, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Listen, this, this whole thing was an event. There's a difference between a fight and an event, right? Pay-per-views are made for events. Pay-per-views are made for you to have a bunch of people over that don't know a goddamn thing about combat sports, and they argue about what's going to happen and never see them fight. Snoop on commentary fit perfectly. I, 
I don't know what you want. Did you really want like the sweet science being broken down by like Max Kellerman or Jim Lampley? No, you wanted Snoop Dogg because it was entertaining. Like I want to be entertained, and that's what that was. That was an event. I had no problem with this. Captain, all chill out, man. He's not calling your fight. He's not calling Connor's fight. So who cares? Yeah, the UFC obviously tried to get Snoop to do the contender series. The first, I think it was the first or second season. I don't think that really worked out, maybe because he didn't really know what he was watching, but he himself said he grew up watching Tyson and Roy Jones, so he could at least speak on a little bit. And what do you think of Snoop's commentary? I personally loved it. I thought Israel Adesanya was phenomenal uh, in that role. If anything, Sugar Ray was the weakest of the three because it felt like he was falling asleep that whole fight. But, and what do you think? I, I love the commentary overall for the event. Um, let's let's give Mauro Ronaldo his props for 100%. stepping in on you know less than a day's notice and killing it. Had all his one-liners in in effect like he had time to prep. Israel Adesanya came across classy and incredible, even when he was cursing. To curse and have class is a is a beautiful combination. Um, Sugar Ray Leonard was was trash as always, but he was his his level of trash was perfect for this because he seemed so miserable surrounded mm-hmm. by MMA people and rappers. And and like I, I keep talking about his he's got like this OG wisdom voice where he just sounds like every time he opens his mouth, you think it's something really profound is coming out. But when he's on the commentary, nothing you know, worthwhile is, is ever leaving his mouth. I, I like to say that it's it's Morgan Freeman reciting lyrics from Soldier Boy. Oof. It just it's like this gravitas in the voice, but nothing really being said with it. Um, I Snoop was Snoop was funny. Snoop was perfect for that. Now, I think for the contender series, we're talking about serious fights. We're talking about serious fighters right. that are really making this a career. So you want you want someone to take it seriously. Um, but in something like this, we got two 50-year-old guys out there, you know, pretending to fight each other. We've got a YouTube star and a basketball player who, who couldn't throw a punch to save his life. And now you have, um, you know, a rapper commenting, this is not serious. There is no reason to take this dead serious and to get all you know, get all upset about it. It was fun. It was entertaining. Leave it at that. Now and now, Snoop, do you have to do this every week, like with the contender series? Maybe no, it would turn no. out to be trash. Yeah. Because we do have a sample size that says Snoop every week is trash. Um, this wasn't though. This is beautiful. I loved it. Sugar Ray felt like he would start a lot of stories that felt like it was going to be this real deep conversation, and I would like lean in waiting for him to say something, and then it would just stop. I'd be like, all right, what's the next? Where's this going, guy? But Mara, I thought Mara was great. I still think Mara is the best in the business. And you see that? Flo- you see his flowing locks? You don't really see that with Mara these right. days. Good yeah, time. Yeah, was pretty incredible. He, like Sugar Ray Leonard, I think, lives on tape delay. <laughs> I think his entire life is like tape delay. 100%. Watch me. It's like he's trying to process an answer to the question, and by then it's like too late because Adesanya is already stepping on him. Have you seen that that gif of the uh, the old man trying to do double dust and just falls over before he can get in? <laughs> Sugar Ray Leonard. Well said. All right, Joseph Boza, we're going to answer your question because you've asked it about a dozen times from the YouTube comments. How crazy that within a span of 12 hours, we thought Kevin Holland could fight this weekend due to him getting COVID, yet he's fighting next week versus Jacare. So we talked about this last week, or I can't. we talked about it on one of the shows. Kevin Holland was supposed to fight this weekend against Jack Hermanson. I think a lot of the narrative was if he beat Jack Hermanson, he went 5-0 and in 2020 and caps it off with a, a win over a top-five middleweight, he's on the short list for fighter of the year. Test positive for COVID. They pull Marvin Vittori from his fight against Jacare. And before, I see all the questions saying, why didn't they pull Jacare? Jacare already lost to Jack Hermanson. Let's not forget that. Pulls Marvin Vittori, and they book 
Marvin Toivers Jackermans and, and then immediately turn around and book Kevin Holland against Jacare like the week later. So if he has COVID, why is he even fighting a week? Who's he going to train with? Who's going to be around him? Like you want to cut just cut weight while uh, while you're infected with a virus and then go fight Jacare, one of the greatest middleweights of all time. Andres, I'll start with you. You seem to chuckle over this whole scenario. What is happening right now in the UFC? Man, this is goofy. Come on, man. Look, if you want to call COVID your weight cut, fine. Like, Because like, that's what we're doing, right? We're saying COVID is the weight cut. But come on, man. Like, stop. Booking it a week later? At least act like you guys got some sense. Mm-hmm. A week later against Jacare? You're not doing Holland any favors, man. That's disrespectful to Kevin. Like, Kevin, I don't know if he's asymptomatic. I don't know how bad it is. Like, we, we don't know. But I, here's what we do know. When somebody has COVID... Give him a goddamn break. Take a couple weeks, like rebook him for the top of January. Let him be, let him be at a hundred percent. Because you're right. Who the hell is he sparring to train with? His time is going to be off. There's all kinds of things that can go wrong here. This is stupid. COVID's wreaking havoc on everything right now. I feel like maybe before the year's over, we're gonna have a fight card with like nine fighters with COVID. I think it's coming. It's gonna be something ridiculous. But they got to chill out with this stuff. Yeah, people are wondering why that December 19th card has so many fights on it. It's because so many fights fell out that they just stuck them on December 19th. So you're going to get it. We're going to get a card with nine fights. And then in a month later, we're going to get a card with 25 fights on it just to make up for us. But, and what do you make of this whole situation with uh, Kevin Holland getting COVID and then fighting a week after his previously scheduled fight? I, I honestly have no idea what, what to make of it because none of it has any root in logic or, or sensibility if the man has COVID-19 the last thing he needs to be doing is booking himself a fight first test negative for the virus you know pass your quarantine <laughs> period test negative and then maybe see how you feel then maybe it's safe to go to the gym then maybe if it's safe to go into the gym maybe you can start training for a fight this doesn't make any sense whatsoever um, I'm reminded of Daniel Cormier uh, saying that he had COVID leading up to the, the Stipe Trilogy fight um, and that little magic ring or something that they're trying to sell telling mm-hmm. him this and the fight still going on and this kind of being uh, told to us via press release, you know, after the fact. This sounds really crazy. I mean, this sounds like something they should be doing on Fight Island where there's no regulation that they and they can just get away with it. Um, I did the one... Like plus on this is that booking against Jacare, maybe he's immune now because he already had it. That's probably it. <laughs> man. I'll tell I'll tell you the story. I was in Jacksonville when Jacare tested positive, and I was in the 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 lobby of the hotel with Adam Hill, John Morgan, and Oscar Willis. We had finally finished work and we went to go eat dinner, and all of a sudden the news broke and every single person in the lobby disappeared. Like every UFC staffer just disappeared all at once because they're like, oh, no, we have to go deal with this. And all of a sudden, we couldn't find anyone in the UFC. Everyone was scrambling around. Everyone was doing every single radio hit possible because we were the only four media people there. But, yeah, Jacques Array has been uh, one of the more unlucky fighters. But also, let's not forget, Curtis Blades was supposed to fight Derek Lewis, what, last weekend? And then that fell out. Derek Lewis, I think, said on, on some podcast or show or Instagram that they wanted to book the fight for the first January card. Curtis Blades said not happening. So if Curtis Blades actually has it and he's taken seriously and he can't fight a month and a half later, I can't believe Kevin Holland is going to try to fight a week later. But it's the UFC and it's Dana White, so nothing surprises me. 
From the Twitter, from MMG2K20, Tyson versus Joe's being a draw reminded me of two younger brothers competing with their parents not wanting to choose a winner to upset anyone, even though one brother clearly won, and they both got a participation trophy, candy, for their efforts. Uh, Andre, to start with you, did you think there was any possible way that there would be an actual winner, or were you like me saying, this fight is going to be a draw even if it was professional? Yeah, I mean, they told us this from the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's like nobody read the rules, right? Like, they said no knockouts. I didn't listen to any of that because somebody got hit hard enough, they're going to sleep, you can't stop it. Mm -hmm. But if the fight went the distance, which it did, they said they would declare no winner. And then they had these celebrity judges, well, judges. They had Christy Martin, Vinny Pazienza, who had a scorecard that was one of the most atrocious things I've ever seen. Between him, Adelaide Bird, and C.J. Ross, He's the worst, and I couldn't understand that. But there's nothing to be surprised about. It was an exhibition. They kind of told you what the rules were. They told you there'd be no winner, and then we're mad when we don't get a winner. Look, we all know Mike looked great in that fight. Roy looked really, really, really old. And uh, we can kind of move on with our lives. Like, who cares? Like, I enjoyed it for what it was. It was stupid. Yeah. And did we need a winner in that fight? No. I mean, the fact that both of them survived is is good enough for me. We all won in, in that regard. I mean, that means I thought Tyson did enough to win, but so, uh, at the same time, it wasn't. This was not something to be taken seriously to really score. This was this was a farce, uh, and I just wanted to sit back and enjoy the farce, sipping my whiskey, and having no responsibility to cover this with any level of journalistic integrity. So I appreciate that. Vinny Paz is one of the judges. Is that what you said, Andres? Yes, Vinny Pazienza was one of the judges. So Vinny he, Pazienza, Chad Dawson, and Christy Martin. Vinny Paz is from Rhode Island, which is where I'm from. And he's obviously a local legend for all of the wrong reasons. Yes, he is a boxing champion. So anytime you're from the New England area and you're Italian and you're a boxing champion, you don't have to buy a drink for the rest of your life. He goes places and people leave because they're afraid of what's going to happen. Like, because he goes on his rampages, he says a lot of horrible racial things. Uh, there's obviously a very specific and very, uh, there's a very specific generation that still reveres him. But for everyone else with a brain, they they see Vinnie Paz walking down the street in Providence, Rhode Island. They walk to the other side because they don't know what's going to happen with that man. They don't want any sort of cameras in their faces. But yeah, as soon as I heard Vinnie Paz was one of the judges, that any sort of uh, criteria for judging is out the window in my mind. From another question from MMG2K20, if Dana is so against 165-pound division, how about we just have the greatest 155 and 170-pounder ballot out for 165-pound title that they can take home and hang on their wall? It's never been never to be defended again. Habib versus GSP. And I'll start with you, Habib versus GSP. You want to see it? Yeah, I guess so. Um you know, if if they book it, yeah, I'll be into it. But I, right now, I like the idea of Khabib just retiring on top and respecting his mother's wishes, living his life like Thanos, you know, on the farm. So that that's that's pretty cool. But um, if the the problem with this, if they were to have a 165 pound title belt for this fight and only this fight, there's going to be other fighters that are trying to get that belt mm -hmm. too, even if it's vacated when both of them walk away from it. When, when the fight's over with. And then on top of that, there's no way with the, the amount of well, fights that the UFC is putting on and their desperate need to have belts to put on posters that they're just going to create a belt and then just it's just going to go away. I mean, they were trying to revive the BMF title. Like, that was actually talked about. So uh, they made up that total nonsense. A real belt 
that's contested between two of the greatest of all time, yeah, that belt's going to be in play. So there is no um, – if, if Dana is really against a 165-pound division, he's not going to introduce a belt for it. He's going to have to do an about face on the division in order for a belt to, to come into play at all because the moment it's dropped, there's going to be Connor, there's going to be Dustin, there's going to be Tony Ferguson, there's going to be, uh, yeah, I can see Tyron Woodley trying to go after it. There's going to be everybody between 155 and 170 that may be a little bit outside of the title picture or a little bit oversized or undersized. Um, they are going to push for this 165-pound belt because, hey, it's there. Andres, two questions. Do you like Habib versus GSP? Part and second question, do we need more belts in the UFC? Jesus Christ, no, we don't need no belts. <laughs> it's the problem with boxing, man. There's 10,000 belts. If you ask a casual fan who the champion is, nobody knows. Here's a question for both of you. Floyd Mayweather fought Manny Pacquiao. What title did they fight for? I don't know. Couldn't exactly. tell you. You don't want to dilute it anymore. So um, the Khabib GSP thing, I want to, first I want to say this. Dana's so quick to push everybody into retirement, but he won't leave Khabib alone. Khabib has a legitimate reason to leave the sport. And Dana will not let go. But meanwhile, Shogun, Anderson Silva, anybody who fights and loses a little bit long in the tooth, is trying to get him out the paint. Khabib versus GSP. Yeah, I want to see it. Um, as of right now, I think Khabib washes him. But mm -hmm. I would love to see it. I, you know, I would like to see it. But given the circumstances, look, man, let, let Khabib live. Now, and I know you mentioned uh, Thanos living on the farm. He got beheaded. So I don't want to see that happen to Khabib in the process. Um, but I do want to see Khabib just kind of ride off into the sunset with the Barry Sanders career of mm -hmm. MMA. Barry, I've never compared, but I've never heard anyone compare Khabib to Barry Sanders ever. I like well, it. You got to hear first, man. Look, you know why? Barry Sanders had a terrible offensive line, mm -hmm. had a short career, retired at his highest point. He's often talked about as one of the most electric running backs of all time. Um, but then people still talk about Emmitt Smith as being mm -hmm. the greatest running back of all time. But we know if Barry Sanders played longer, he would have broke every single record in the book. I think Khabib would have done the same. He retired on top. He went when it was time to go, when he felt like there was no need to fight anymore. Barry Sanders. I heard a stat years ago that Barry Sanders has the most negative rushing attempts in the history of the NFL. And he's still like top five all time in rushing yards. Bro, that that offensive line trash. was trash. If he ran behind the Dallas Cowboys, he would have ran for like 2,800 yards mm -hmm. in 13 games maybe. It would have been like a collegiate level abusing of Barry Sanders. He was like 5'8". He was just ruining people. But, you know, it is what it is. Calvin Johnson, too. Both on the line, shockingly enough. Yeah, crazy. From Watch My 666 in the YouTube comments with a very muscular Jesus Christ as his profile picture. <laughs> Diesel. <laughs> MMA in the, in the Olympics could get us better judging. So we've had a few questions about this, but I think right now, uh, I'm going to talk about it because Habib recently did a press conference where he's going to have his own fight promotion. I think it's Eagle Fight M Eagle Fighting Championships or whatever. It's going to be on Fight Pass. And then he also said he wants to work with the Olympic Committee to get MMA into the Olympic Games. There's obviously boxing, there's judo, there's jiu-jitsu and everything. But those are am the boxing is amateur still, right? It's not like the NBA? Yeah. yeah. So it's headgear. It's, it's the full things. Don't really want to see MMA in the Olympics if it has headgear. That's just my personal take. Andres, I'll start with you. Uh, do you want to see MMA in the Olympics, and how well how well received do you think it'll be? It won't be well received, and no, I don't want to see it. I, I don't understand what we can do with MMA in the Olympics. I mean, isn't that the UFC? Just taking people from around <laughs> the world and throwing them in the cage and having them fight? Like, isn't that the same thing? Why do I need to see this in the Olympics with a bunch of guys who are getting paid less than they're making in MMA now, which is 
zero in the Olympics. For what? What are you going to get, a gold medal in MMA? Then what do you do with that? Nothing? Come on. No, no thank you. And you're in the same boat? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. And then also, too, like the sport of MMA would have to change so much to fit the Olympic mm-hmm. structure. You know, think about all the, the Grand Prix and, and, you know, the one night tournaments in the early days and how many people had to be replaced due to injury or they were exhausted and couldn't go to the next round. So you're going to have to have this this huge pool of standbys um, that probably are going to end up with a gold medal simply because they were lower in the bracket and they got to be fresh for the final matchup. So it's just it's going to water everything down. You'll probably have to wear headgear as well, and especially for the, to protect against cuts, which will you know end someone trying to advance in in the tournament. It's just no point. Um, I I mean at, at this point too, we barely see Olympic combat sports televised. Like I'm I still would love to see uh, Olympic taekwondo on, but they barely ever show it. And judo and wrestling and boxing, like you you have to hunt down the 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 broadcast for those. Uh, MMA would just get lost in the sauce with everything else. So why even bother with it? You know who would win a bracketed gold medal in the Olympics? Probably an Olympic wrestler because he can just hold them down every single fight. So you're just going to get a wrestler who maybe isn't good enough to make the Olympic team. Maybe he's like the first cut. Well, I'll just go to MMA and just hold people down and go all the way and I'll still win a gold medal. Um, But what do you think about his – Watch my 666 saying Olympics would lead to better judging. I don't quite understand that argument. No, it because the same he, the same people that are bad at judging. Yeah, the people that say Roy Jones Jr. didn't win an Olympic gold medal are going to say yeah. certain people are going to win MMA gold medals. Yeah, that's it's, it. We'll just have another Roy Jones and and Floyd Mayweather style robbing in the Olympics for for MMA. So that's all it's going to be. Yeah. He'll, no thanks. Yeah, Adelaide Bird will make her way over there too. Oof. Oof. I will. I will say, play devil's advocate, I would like to see MMA in the Olympics if it leads to cross-promotional fights, but that is the only reason. In a perfect world, we could get Pitbull versus Volkanovski, and it doesn't have to be in this, quote, fictional Olympic world. We could just get it as a fight, uh, but then that, you know, that will never happen. Question from another Eve Edwards, casual Eve Edwards on Twitter. Does the UFC have to start implementing more around COVID for 2021? Backup fights prepared for cards? More importantly, providing training money or private gyms. Any idea? And I'll start with you. If you're the UFC, how do you try to get ahead of this COVID pandemic that has gripped the world, not just the sporting world? I mean, it, it sounds nice, you know, the, these options, but the UFC is not going to do this. I mean, they're, what they're doing is trying to create an infrastructure where everything is self-contained with them. So if you build private gyms, they're going to be on, you know, going to be attached to the Apex Center. Like, there's, it's going to keep everything in-house and they're, they're trying to make a fighter hotel i mean they've got an island or at least you know a part a portion of an island dedicated to putting on fights this is all about self-containment the thing is i don't think that they necessarily it doesn't really behoove them to have backup plans and all this stuff because business is running just fine right now and despite the human cost despite you know, whatever sort of moral questions you can put around it, they're fulfilling their contractual obligations to their broadcast partners. And that's, at the end of the day, that guaranteed money is all that really matters. So just keep doing that. I mean, right now, you're going to have, you're not going to have um, the, the wealth of fighters for backups because the pool of fighters is already depleted with COVID, with travel restrictions, with quarantines and whatnot. So you're just kind of working with this, you know, this whatever mixed deck it is. 
Um, so sign more guys from the contender series and just throw them in and ESPN writes the check. The end. Yeah, we had this conversation on, I think, last week's A-side where, remember the first season of the Contender Series where it was actually, like, who's going to get the contract? It's going to come down to these five and only two people get it? It seems like every single week, every single fighter on Tuesday gets a contract, and I couldn't figure out why. And then someone on my in my Twitter mentions goes, well, it's because they need backup fighters. Like, more fighters are going to fall out. You need a backup fighter that can make weight. Andres, if you're the UFC... What do you do to get ahead of this pandemic, if it's, if that's even possible in 2021? They don't care, so there's there's no need. Like, should they? Absolutely. Should they stop booking so many fights back-to-back? Absolutely. But these super spreader events are going to continue. I mean, you're going to continue to get your obligation. Look, man, it's UFC is bigger than any fighter that the UFC has. And as long as they keep putting together events, what answer the human cost is not enough to make them, to deter them from changing their ways. So, Yes, should it happen? Absolutely, because I don't want to see people get sick. It's going to take a UFC fighter to die, unfortunately, for them to make any kind of change. And hopefully that does not happen. But, man, like, Kevin Holland's fight next week, y'all. What the hell? Yeah. I mean, let's let's not forget they, they were memorializing Khabib's father throughout the entire broadcast oh, before of uh, you, but 254. Did they say how he – did they say why he died? Nope. 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 They, they, they left that out. Um, I mean, we have to question leadership at the top. When the the UFC president gets up to the mic on a regular basis and talks about how COVID's going to go away after the election and how, oh, it's, it's, it's just like the flu and everybody's going to end up getting it and it's not a big deal. When he say, he's saying this, um, you can't expect much difference from the organization. He's the guy at the top of it. So, of course, they're going to do things all wrong. Of course, they're going to gloss over the, the real dangers and, and what's going on here. Uh, because business has to keep moving and people's opinions are swaying the company and that's what it is. So unfortunately, it's it's the reality that we have to live with. Like COVID has decimated the world. Um, we can't expect MMA to not be affected by this because, you know, I, I, I hate to break it to to all you you COVID truthers out there, but MMA exists in this actual real world. So, yeah, we've got to play with the, the, the rules that are that are thrown our way. This is what it is. You mean you guys didn't hear... Cowboy Cerrone say the the virus is going to go away after the election. You guys didn't believe that? No, I. You know, I I I'd actually take my medical <laughs> advice from Bryce Mitchell. Just after he oh, was nuts, that's uh, right. He, yeah, he wanted to explain how how COVID is not a big deal in the mass thing. So yeah, this this stuff is fascinating. It's fascinating because like, look, I hate saying shut up and dribble or anything like that. But some of you fighters need to shut the hell up and just fight because you're not doctors. Cut it out. How's it going to disappear after a damn election, man? God damn. This makes me mad. Well, we're going to use this. Watch My 666 wanted to bounce off his question. Two Olympians, Clarissa Shields, could end up fighting Kayla Harrison in 2021. We haven't gotten too many questions about Clarissa Shields, so I'm going to use this question to bounce off into talking about her. She recently signed with PFL. O&O MMA is not going to be in any of the million dollar tournaments. Is going to have one non-title fight, non-tournament fight. Uh, Andres, I'll start with you. What do you make of Clarissa Shields, who many consider the pound-for-pound best female boxer in the world, actually making the jump over to mixed martial arts? Well, here it is. She has nobody to fight in boxing. Mm -hmm. She's been tired of sitting on her ass and waiting for Showtime to book something. Meanwhile, the rest of the women's division in boxing and the lower weight classes, they're pairing up quite well. So she needs something else to do. Clarissa Shields is super ambitious, and she wants to fight. So this is how she's going to fight. 
listen, the girl gets a little bit of takedown defense, she's good. Because there ain't nobody going to stand there and strike with Clarissa Shield with small gloves on because she's going to beat the hell out of them. Um, but there's a lot of people that say I don't understand it. But if you're Clarissa Shields and, like, for instance, you're looking at Katie Taylor and you're looking at Cecilia Breckles and you're looking at all these women booking multiple fights during the pandemic, we haven't seen Clarissa Shields at all. So get her a check to fight in PFL. And she's going to look for a, maybe an eventual fight with Cyborg. She'll look. She'll have options. She's still hella young. So she just wants more opportunities, man. And if she can do it, more power to her. I don't think there's that much of a threat as long as she's been training and can defend the takedown. I think she'll be okay. I am a huge fan of Clarissa Shields. I want to get start with that. When she does her entrances and she actually gets to show her her personality with the dance moves and the outfits and everything... I see that, and I'm like, why can't the UFC allow for this to happen? I felt the same way when Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder made their entrance. I'm like, this is a spectacle. This will get people to tune in to watch. Like, if you allow Anthony Smith and uh, Devin Clark to show any sort of personality when they make their entrance, people will tune in for that. And Walker, what do you make of Cliff Shields hopping over into the world of MMA? I, I love it. Um, you know, to see, uh, we always talk about boxers crossing over in the MMA and, and vice versa. And we haven't seen that happen with people in their primes in their respective sports. So, oh, well, I mean, I guess Connor going over to, to fight Floyd would be the exception there. But to see a boxer in her prime with with so much potential that she has not tapped into yet at this age to go into MMA like how could we be against it how could we be upset about this this is this is fantastic um and, and then also too like the fact that they're trying to develop her like she's not just going to jump into the tournament like this she'll have the chance to develop into an actual mixed martial artist I, and on, on for her part this is where the real money is um you know for, for women in combat sports look no further than Holly Holm who you know, by a lot of standards, was like one of the, the best female boxers of all time. She didn't make her real money until she got into MMA and didn't get her real acclaim until she got into MMA. So uh, Clarissa Shields following that blueprint, I'm happy with it. I, I can't wait to see the results. And I'm very curious as to how PFL is going to matchmake with her first. My, my first inclination says that they're going to find uh, a young lady who comes from boxing or kickboxing and thinks that they can stand with her. That, I believe, will be the first pairing. It's going to be somebody who's going to catch the serious, serious whooping because they believe they can stand with her. And, yeah, the, the only question is, do I have the movie theater experience watching that with cherry Coke and popcorn, or do I go sports bar with, with beer and wings? Yeah, I mean, even 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 Ava Knight said over in Bellator, and Heather, Hart was Heather Hardy, right? She's the one that hopped over to. They're saying there's yeah. no... There's no money in women's boxing, so you got to come over to MMA. Holly did it, uh, the same thing. She was a world champion boxer, made the jump. I think even when the second she announced she was making her MMA debut, people are already trying to match make her against Ronda Rousey. Um, I think Katie Taylor is getting promoted very well by Eddie Hearn. I think he, his style of promoting where he sells her and her opponents, because you know Katie Taylor is probably going to win most of her fights, but uh, Eddie Hearn does a phenomenal job of uh, – pushing uh, her opponents. Tristan Gordet said Clarissa Shields could be the female Izzy. Don't know about that quite yet. She hasn't even fought, uh, but I see I see the I see the comparisons. Um, remember Clarissa Shields also wanted to fight Amanda Nunes 
MMA. She did a press conference. Or uh, were you guys at that media scrum backstage? Yeah. yeah, she was calling out Amanda Nunes, and Amanda Nunes didn't want nothing to do about it. I always thought if Dana White wanted to jump over into the world of boxing, start Zufa boxing, I thought he would maybe start with Clarissa Shields because she didn't seem to have a fight. Dana White keeps saying he can make fights. She wants to fight Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes can go into Zufa boxing and then ride off into the sunset with her daughter. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, what do Andres, do you think Dana White could, quote, save boxing like he's been saying for so many years? <laughs> no, man. Like, if he would have done it, he would if he, if he could have done it, he would have done it already. And he can't do it because it's a completely different world. Sanctioning bodies, like, there's so much you got to deal with in boxing. Like, stay under your roof, in your home. Stop going to somebody else's house and try to mess up their things. That's exactly what you're going to do. Leave it alone. Focus on the UFC. Focus on shortchanging these fighters. Um, focus on booking a fight every goddamn week. Do that because you've done it very well. But boxing, nah, you don't want it in that world. You don't. For better or worse, you just don't want any part of it. I agree 100%. Now, I don't want to see it, but if if Clarissa Shields does well enough in any sort of thing, you know they're going to try and book her against Cyborg. I don't want to see the Kayla Harrison fight at all because Kayla Harrison is an Olympic judo, so there's no strike. She's going to get a hold of you, throw her on your head, and then that's a wrap. But Kayla Harrison's also fighting at 145. Now she wants to fight Titan FC one more time at the end of the year and then turn right around as I'm my all of my Slack notifications are going berserk. But we've hit the one hour mark, so we're gonna have closing remarks. And I'll start with you. Anything you wanna plug, say, the floor is yours. I don't really have anything to plug, but uh, keeping up with tradition, we'll we'll just you know end with some more hip hop talk. So uh Spotify had their twenty twenty wrap up that just got available, I think this morning is the first time I'm seeing it. The, the most listened to song for me this year has been Stove God Cooks Crosses. And I was telling y'all about that when I was on the show with, with, with Petey. That is my jam right there. Schoolboy Q, my most listened to artist. The only thing that I was surprised about, nobody in Griselda made my top five. I've been oh, my God. I'm so Conway. glad you brought up Griselda. I'm I mean, so glad you brought them up. Conway's uh, from a from a king to a god. I think I said this on between the links last time I was on there. That's the best album of the year, in my opinion. Um, I, I'm I'm okay with Griselda just taking over everything because every week they just drop in hotness, man. Pray for Paris from West Side Gun, fire as well. I'm I'm loving everything they're doing. Royce Five Nines allegory too. Uh, well deserved Grammy nomination. Oh, I'm so glad you brought up Griselda. I think because I think Jay Electronic when he would disappear for years. He was still revered. Like, I think the hip-hop world, and you got, Andres, you're much, obviously much more into that world than I am, but from the outside looking in, it seems like when you when you take these long gaps of inactivity, people kind of forget about you, and then you have to come back and you have to remind them what you're about. Jay Electronica, I think, was one of the few artists that that didn't really apply to because he was, was such this mysterious deity in the background that people were still talking about when he wasn't putting music out. I think Griselda was the same way. People were still waiting for what they were going to do next, even when they weren't doing anything. But that's neither here nor there. Andres, I know you have a book you want to plug. I've read it. I think it is absolutely fantastic. And have you read it or have you gotten it yet? Yes, I did. I, I read it. It's it's great. I loved it. I'm so happy that Andres is on the show to plug this book. So, Andres, tell us about your book. Yes. Yeah, so I've uh, I'm with Shay Serrano. If you know the author Shay Serrano, he had a uh, he has a venture called Halfway Books, and my first book is on Kendrick Lamar's "To Pimp a Butterfly." It's basically an indictment of music journalism in the era of social media. It's also questioning how people receive blackness. 
because it doesn't always have to come with a dead body attached to it for people to say Black Lives Matter, but yet and still, some people are offended when you say it when somebody doesn't die. So that's what my book is about. It's just kind of uh, analyzing that album. Uh, I did a documentary with Kendrick Lamar years ago. I've spent some time with the TDE crew for the past decade. So I've had some insight. So the book is all about specifically to Pimp a Butterfly and the climate that it was released under. Uh, you can purchase it at thewellverse.net. Um, it's 10 bucks, man. You know, spend a little money. And it's something that I put some time in. And then we got a whole bunch of other books under the Halfway Books banner. Halfway Books, if you haven't noticed, it is a spin on Mob Deep's Halfway Crooks from Shook Ones. Uh, we got hoodies coming out. So definitely that. You can follow me, a little Twitter there that you see, at Andreas L. It's pro wrestling, boxing, MMA, hip hop, politics. Uh, yeah, and that's it. I got my own podcast, The Corner Podcast. And I work at The Zone in Sporting News. I'm a man of many jobs. And, uh, Thank you for letting me spew a bunch of uh, plugs that were all shameless. Hey, man, anytime you want to come on and talk Kendrick Lamar, TDE, Pimp Butterfly, any sort of hip-hop music, you know I am 100%. In fun fact, I was at a Kendrick Lamar concert the day to Pimp Butterfly dropped. It was in Arizona, and he would not play any of the music from that yeah, he, album. He doesn't like to perform it live. No. He, do, he also said, if I, he, he said it because people were kind of chanting for it, and he kind of stopped the concert, and he said, I will not, because he had, it came out that day, and he goes, if I'm going to play this, I'm debuting it in Compton. I'm not going to debut it for y'all. And I was like, respect. And then, so we played all of Good Kid, Mad City, no, nothing else from Section 80, and then left, and then he came out for the encore, and then he goes, how many of y'all listen to Section 80? And obviously everyone went berserk. And he goes, what do you want me to play from this? And everyone held up three fingers to play high power. <laughs> so naturally, he had to play ADHD. Great song, but that's not what anyone <laughs> wanted to hear. Uh, Section 80 is my favorite Kendrick Lamar album. That's just because uh, I remember the exact moment I heard that, and it blew my mind. Uh, so it's not his best. It's my personal favorite. And what's your favorite Kendrick Lamar album before we sign off? To Pimp a Butterfly is, is my favorite. Like I'll never forget my first time listening to that and just being transformed into – it felt like another world, but it felt so much like the world I live in. Um, it, it was it was this great duality. And I remember going to work that day um, and a buddy of mine, this white guy named Justin, who was a big hip hop head, actually the guy who turned me on to Childish Gambino. Um, he, he said, he he said, man, you heard that new Kendrick? I was like, yeah, man, I love it. He's like, he's like, it's great, but I don't think it was made for me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it was fantastic. Uh, Andreas, I, lo I loved your, your book on that. And before before you know my mic time is cut, I gotta highlight another Compton MC who I should have in my little previous bit before. Westside Boogie, putting out fire, been staying putting out fire, fire, and nobody's really paying attention to this guy. Pay attention, this guy's serious, man. Noted, Andres. Is your book ever gonna come out physical? We're working on it. We we didn't know the demand was gonna be as high as it was because Halfway Books is also supposed to be the medium. It's supposed to be PDF only, mm -hmm. but uh. We've got a lot of demand, so it might happen. It, it might have to happen. And then I've also talked about doing something a little bit longer. Um, as I mentioned, I've known the guys from TDE for a long time, uh, for at least a decade. I've known Kendrick. I've known Schoolboy. Uh, so it's like there is so much behind that album. I was actually, I'll say this here because I never said it before. When I filmed the, uh, the TDE documentary for Jay-Z's Life and Times in 2013, um, I was supposed to actually do document the making of To Pimp a Butterfly. <sighs> And yeah, and you know, we got tied up in some things and uh and I remember talking to Top Dog and he's like, This album is taking a turn because Kendrick just got back from Africa 
and we just got to keep it under wraps. And you'll hear it when it's time for you to hear it. And I remember hearing King Kunta for the first time, and I was like, oh, is that what we're doing? And, yeah, so I ended up doing the oral history on that for the Grammys, uh, I think the, a year after mm-hmm. it came out. Um, so there may be a longer version of this to come out soon because people have been asking for it. So we'll see. But if you haven't read it, go cop it. If you have, I appreciate the support. Jose and Anthony, I appreciate you guys because, you know, got to support each other. These 100% days. man. I'm, anytime you want to come back, wax poetic on hip hop, I have never met someone I've been more jealous of their professional life than I have with you, sir. But this has been Jose. That's Andres. I don't know where he is on your screen. Ants with me, too. They'll both be back 100%. Go follow them on Twitter. Go follow all their stuff. This will be on iTunes, or not iTunes, Apple, Google, Spotify. You guys know the drill. We'll see you next Wednesday. We're out. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.